but you hurt yourself by not keeping the, the, the your, your foot on the accelerator to really put teams away and allow teams to get bad. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello and welcome to all in Steelers Nation and welcome to our Saverin on Steelers podcast. Thanks for joining us. We post up twice weekly and you're able to get us at Steelers.com. Just go to Steelers.com, which obviously you have. And if you uh, like the content we have, please let your friends, neighbors, relatives know all about us. Again, the podcast can be listened to right at Steelers.com. Very easy to get. You can also listen to me on my daily talk show on ESPN Pittsburgh. That's at 970 a.m. It airs Monday through Friday, noon to 2 Eastern time. Uh, Again, 970 uh, a.m. If you're not able to get that, you live out of town, easy, no problem. Just download the iHeartMedia app. It's free, and you can listen to me uh, live or on the by these podcasts. Uh, not only this one in particular, but we podcast out every hour of every show we do all week long. Busy weekend of NFL playoff football. A number of things stood out to me, um, beginning with the big, biggest surprise, I suppose, uh, no matter who was playing, and that's the L.A. Chargers having a 27 to nothing lead and blowing it to a young and upcoming Jacksonville team. But still, uh, you're up 27 nothing. I don't know about you, but I sense that that was a possibility. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence had a very poor first half, four interceptions. And nothing was going right for them. And yet I got the sense that the Chargers came out in the second half just trying to protect the lead, just watching the clock, watching it slowly melt into triple zeros and getting out of there. They built their lead. They acted as though their work were done. Well, the truth of the matter is that the longer the game went on and the Chargers weren't doing anything offensively, just playing it safe, just trying to protect the lead, the drip, drip, drip became an absolute waterfall, an avalanche of water, if you will, as the Jaguars began to get back in the game. You could sense their confidence growing. The crowd was back into it. Um, but I, first and foremost, yeah, you got to give credit to Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. He is is a tremendous quarterback. He's going to be great. He needs more people around him. But they've done a pretty good job with him in his second year to be 9-8, and eight, win their division, and make the playoffs. But for the Chargers, that's going to be tough to swallow. And there were already a lot of people in L.A., that wanted Brendan Staley, the head coach, gone. This is likely to give him further ammunition. Um, feeling that they're way too conservative. Staley's a defensive guy, and so he leaves the offense to his offensive staff. But at some point, you got to step in and say, look, we need to be more proactive. Doesn't mean we want to call flea flickers in every play, but we just can't sit idly by. And that's pretty much what they did. And it cost them. It cost them dearly. It might cost Brendan Staley his job. When you have division matchups in the first round of playoffs, it's almost always expected that it's maybe a tougher game than you imagine based on what we know because division opponents know each other. You're not going to install something in a week, a staple of your offense or defense or even special teams, that your opponent hasn't seen. You play each other twice a year. It's been going on for a long time. So there may be some people who are surprised, for example, 
that Baltimore was, given their circumstances, was able to hang with Cincinnati as much as they did. That shouldn't have been a close game. I give Baltimore a lot of credit, not just in this game, but they're they're always very competitive. They're a tough out. You're not going to get rid of them very easily. Um, And I credit a lot of that to John Harbaugh. I think he's a very good coach. Teams make the playoffs virtually every year. And he did so this year without his number one weapon, the guy who makes them go, Lamar Jackson. I'll get to more of that in a minute. But he's banged up everywhere. And he always has them play competitively. But the one thing that I find different to reconcile and difficult to reconcile is that Harbaugh has won one playoff game in the last eight years. And I know that people in Steeler Nation justifiably criticized Mike Tomlin for not winning a playoff game since 2017. That's absolutely fair game. But we looked to Harbaugh, and I generally regard him as a good coach. One playoff win in six years, or eight years. And it's all well and good to say, well, we make the playoffs, we win the division, but the payoff is in the playoffs, and only one playoff win in eight years. It also brings rise to the question, exactly what is going on between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? We know that his contract is up. We know this has been an issue all year long. It has been from day one. The Ravens still believe he's going to be their franchise quarterback, and they're offering him a long-term deal, which Lamar Jackson, who's handling his own negotiations, Lamar Jackson has rejected them. But two things I think really stuck out over the past number of days. Number one, Lamar Jackson did not even travel with the team to Cincinnati. He's been there on the sideline for all these games. He and Tyler Huntley are best friends. Wouldn't you think that Lamar Jackson being on the bench to talk with Huntley wouldn't be a positive move? And yet Jackson was nowhere to be found. And earlier in the week, Jackson posted up his own statement on his own social media about his physical condition. Normally the team does that. Does that represent a split in the relationship between Jackson and the Ravens? It sure sounds like it to me. As for Baltimore, I've been on this bandwagon for a long time. If I were a head coach in the NFL, and I know it's surprising I'm not, I would coach my team to never dive over the goal line with the ball extended unless it's fourth down and it's your last chance opportunity to win. Tyler Huntley dives over the line on a third down play, gets it knocked loose. Sam Hubbard returns it 98 yards for a touchdown. And because of that, Cincinnati beats Baltimore. Could have been a tie game. But aside from that mismanagement of the clock, 
Huntley diving over the goal line created the opportunity for the fumble. It's a bad play. One of the big surprises to me was the Giants beating the Vikings in Minnesota. There have been a lot of people talking about Minnesota's got a good record, but they're really not that good. Um, I don't know what that means. I know they won a lot of close games. They were in a lot of close games. But we don't get much of an opportunity to see Daniel Jones play. We don't see that many NFC games televised in the Pittsburgh region. And generally, Daniel Jones has been one of those game managers. Well, I had no idea how good he was. I had no idea how well he could run. I had no idea the Giants' offensive line was that good. To open holes for Saquon Barkley, who I think is a top-two running back in the NFL, along with Nick Chubb. That was a surprise to me. And while we have yet to see the number one seeds in both conferences, meaning Kansas City and Philadelphia, the best team that I saw over the weekend anyway was the 49ers. They are really good on both sides of the ball. And for those wondering about Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, well, with him at quarterback, the 49ers are 6-0. and Maybe more importantly, they average 35 points per game. So much for Mr. Irrelevant. He's doing a pretty good job. We're joined now by Alex Kazora. He covers the Steelers and the NFL for Steelers Depot. Alex, welcome. Always good to have you on. Happy New Year. Um, I was mentioning earlier that watching all these playoff teams, basically all of them, they show wrinkles in their offense, create creative-type plays, um, motions, um, you know, various formations that I never see from the Steelers. Is that because Matt Canada doesn't have that in his wherewithal? Or they don't want to institute that because they're dealing with a rookie quarterback. Well, Stan, I think it's a bit of both. I don't want to blame it all on the the pitfalls of a rookie quarterback. The 49ers, as you guys said, the, the best team this weekend have a rookie quarterback at seventh round pick, and their offense is running just fine with a lot of creative looks and the job that Kyle Shanahan does. I think what it came down to Pittsburgh the back half of the year was. They just simply could not win games and turn the football over. They went, what, 1-7 in seven this year in games where they turned the ball over? Not even won the turnover battle, just simply gave the ball away at least one time. They lost almost every single one of those games. And so I think Pittsburgh's blueprint to success, which really was proven true based on their 7-2 finish, was run the ball, keep it simple, play field position. The defense is playing um, so much better and really you know, keeping games close, competitive, keeping the score down. And so that was why the offense became maybe even more vanilla than it was the first half of the year, which was not that creative to begin with because the, the essence, the identity of this offense was to just, you know, play smart, not, uh, not lose the game so you can try to win it was kind of their, their mentality. Do you think that changes now that they get Pickett? He's got, in essence, two-thirds of a season. Um, and by the time they kick it off for real, he will have had a full training camp. He will have had, you know, full OTAs, mini camp. He'll be the guy who'll get most of the reps. 
It'll need to, and I think it'll certainly evolve. It may not happen all in one instant, and this team will still be primarily trying to win with their ground uh, approach, very similar to how it was in the early years of Ben, 04, 05. You know, even in Ben's second year, the, the, the strategy didn't change dramatically where it still was that, that run-heavy game with Willie Parker, with Jerome Bettis as the, the short yardage back. So, uh, But certainly this is a different era. This is 2022 two going into 2023 and you look at the teams around the nfl every team that won i believe this weekend except for maybe one scored you know 30 plus points and pittsburgh didn't score more than 30 points in a single game this season and so you know taking care of the football ball control those things are important but at some point you have to finish drives put points on the board especially if you want to compete with the teams you're seeing in the afc right now i mean you know Mahomes, allen trevor lawrence herbert etc those guys aren't going anywhere. Uh, those guys will be playing for their teams for the next 10 plus years, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. And so you better be able to have some firepower to match that beyond just a, a, a decently efficient run game. Is Calvin Austin the hidden wild card here? I mean, uh, he's a rookie. He's untested. He hadn't done anything. Um, really didn't have any training camp when you stop and think about it. But I mean, could he play a significant role in this offense or what we expect this offense to be in 2023? Yeah, it remains to be seen just because we saw him for two weeks and he injured the foot and tried to come back midseason, hurt it again, had to have surgery. I mean, you know, multiple foot injuries for a guy reliant on 4-3-2 speeds, not a great start to his career, uh, but we'll see what it looks like in the summer. And I don't think he'll have a, an every down volume type role in this offense. There are so many mouths to feed. It will be run heavy, but assuming that Matt Canada remains as OC, which is, appearing to be where, where things track right now. I think he fits well into that system to be able to run the horizontal game and RPOs and screens and jet runs to get out on the perimeter to be able that to, to, be, to be that vertical downfield guy that can hopefully create some splash plays. He may be somebody that touches the ball three, four times a game, but hopefully can occasionally have that big splash play that's offense did not have consistently enough this season. And so it remains to be seen. There's still a long ways to go. This guy's got a play in a game to begin with, but ideally he was drafted to be that big play threat, and hopefully he can still be that guy. Yeah, at the very least, he can create space for others, whether he gets the ball or not. It's somebody you better pay attention to. I thought we'd take a trip around the playoffs as a football fan, as we all are. Um, I thought the games were really very entertaining, very surprising, um, almost all of them close for at least a good portion of those games. I don't know if you got this feeling, beginning the second half with the Jacksonville Chargers game, I got the sense, Alex, I don't know, maybe you'll concur, maybe not, that the Chargers came out in the second half and said, let's just, you know, bleed this slowly. Let's just not do anything stupid. We're up 27 points. And I, I think that cost them. I mean, I think once it began to turn against them, they couldn't start the engine again. Yeah, I'm with you. We hear about prevent defense so much. How about prevent offense where you hurt yourself by not keeping the, the, the your, your foot on the accelerator to really put teams away and allow teams to get back? And I think it's a testament to the job that, that Jacksonville's done to keep that keep that team together believing, being down 27 nothing. and kudos to Doug Peterson um, to, to make sure those guys didn't check out and bought in. That's a belief in a culture that was probably instilled long before halftime of that game back in – in the summer whenever he first got hired and what a difference it's been for, for the Jags going from Urban Meyer to, to, to uh, Doug Peterson. But absolutely, I think the Chargers probably got too conservative. Certainly one of the biggest criticisms that, that, that the Chargers have had all year is they have a great quarterback with a big arm in Justin Herbert, 
why don't they push the ball downfield enough? They've been really conservative in that offense, uh, and, and that probably hurt this team a lot. The decision to play Mike Williams in Week 18, he gets hurt, doesn't play in this game. So, yeah, I think probably the, the Chargers got scared, and it cost them the game, cost them their season. You think it'll cost the head coach's job? You know, I'm mixed on that. I think the easy answer is yes. From what I'm kind of hearing from some of the guys that, that cover the Chargers is that Staley may return. Um, it, it, I think it's just hard to do. How do you bring that guy back given the circumstances? But, um, you know, I'm not as attuned to the Chargers situation as others. I guess it could go either way, but I think it's a hard, it's a hard sell to bring that guy back. Let me move on to the Baltimore-Cincinnati game. No particular order here. One of the things that I've just been harping on when players try to leap over the goal line and extend the ball to try to get a touchdown, I think it's a bad technique. I don't think it should be taught. Uh, I, I think a coach would say, I don't want to see anybody doing it. And here we see Ty Huntley trying to dive over. The ball's knocked loose, and off Sam Hubbard goes. Um, maybe that's an easy time to mention it, but I have to say I've been consistent about this. I just think it's a bad play, especially on third down. If it's fourth down, and you know, and this is your last stab at it, but this was a third down play, and it wasn't necessary. Right. There are some coaches that, that don't allow players to do that. Look at what happened to Najee Harris against the Browns. I mean, he tried to leap over, and he's done that with success earlier this year, but it cost him that time. I know it's a, it's a curse word in Pittsburgh, but Bill Belichick's philosophy is to never do that unless it is fourth down or it's an end of game where there is no play after. And so ball security is paramount in every single situation. Obviously, you understand the reward of just needing to break the plane. But um, in this era of quarterback sneaks, to me, Stan, 2022 was the year of the quarterback sneak in Pittsburgh and, and elsewhere, where it really became a, a constant in vogue thing. And so teams are really focusing on that more and trying to combat that um, goal line, fourth and one, all those kind of situations. And so um, ball security is always the most important thing. And I would never advise a player to, to leap over the goal line unless it was a fourth and goal or last play of the game type moment. You know, I want to ask you about the, the, the Ravens. I mean, obviously um, there's something going on. It seems to me between the Ravens organization and Lamar Jackson, he did not travel with the team. He felt it necessary on his own social media to list his injury status. That's something normally the teams do if they do it at all. Uh, do you sense there's going to be a divorce here between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? To me, Stan, it is the number one question of not just Baltimore, obviously, but the entire NFL offseason. And this is one of the biggest conundrums I think any team has had to face in quite some time because you're you're pulled in, in two directions. A, you know, do you pay Jackson a bunch of money uh, given the injury risk? I mean, the last two years he's been unavailable at the end of seasons. Back in, in 2021, this team was – leading the AFC North, Jackson gets hurt. They collapse down the stretch. They, they lose every game. They fail to make the playoffs. This year, they limp into the playoffs. Jackson's still unavailable. They get, you know, bounced despite that competitive game. Um, but at the same time, when Jackson's been out, you've seen how much this offense has been hurt. I mean, J.K. Dobbins in his frustration was right. If Jackson was healthy and available, they would have won that game. They would have beaten the Bengals. And so there's been such a clear difference between, I think the record something like they're 45 and 16 when Lamar plays and eight and 13 when they don't. And they've won those, you know, games uh, on, on the latter side because of that defense. And so if they lose Jackson, if they were to tag and trade him, they have to start all over. And their whole identity was kind of built around what Lamar could do. So it is one of the most difficult decisions. I think any team will have to make in quite some time. 
there really is no ideal or really good answer to that. You know, it's it's interesting. I I always feel like that the Ravens, no matter their circumstance, are well coached. Um, they're going to give you a they're a tough out. Uh, you're not going to waltz in and beat them easily, um, even when they're undermanned as they were. Uh, and I credit John Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach. And yet, he's only won one playoff game in the last eight years. Um, now, Tomlin gets criticized, justifiably so, uh, because he hasn't won a playoff game since 2017. But here, Harbaugh, who I view as a good coach, I'd like your thoughts on him, he has won one playoff game in the last eight years. And we all know the payoff is in the playoff. Yeah, it's uh, it's so funny how similar Pittsburgh and Baltimore is. If they couldn't get similar enough in, in terms of the playoff, you know, lack of success. And, and I just look at what the standard is. You know, I understand if you're a Detroit, if you're some, you know, team that's that's missed out on playoff even contention for the longest time, maybe getting there is good enough. And I understand how hard it is to win the playoffs, and it's one and done. And so, you know, the, it's a different scenario unlike baseball or really any other sport. Um, but I just know in Pittsburgh and in Baltimore, the standard is higher. It's not just to make the playoffs. It isn't even just to win the AFC North, although that's a, a component of it. It is to have playoff success. And and fans can get spoiled. And, again, it's so much harder to, to win in the NFL than I think a lot of fans will give uh, it credit for, um, especially in this very tough AFC. But you got to have results. And, you know, in Pittsburgh in particular, I understand and can respect and appreciate that Mike Tomlin never had a losing season a streak that continued this year, but in Pittsburgh, you know, they put trophies in trophy cases. They win playoff games. They that that's how they make history. That's how they're judged by not by going nine and eight or not just making to the playoffs. It's the same in Baltimore. So, you know, I understand the the difficulty of it, but certainly I think both teams are looking at themselves saying, you know, we have to be more than what we've been over the last decade. You know, we haven't seen the Eagles or Chiefs yet. Now, that'll come this weekend. But uh, to me, the 49ers look like the most balanced, well-rounded, um, overall best team that I've seen thus far. And I realize they were playing Seattle. That's not the point. I mean, you can just see how strong they are on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they're going to be a tough out. Now, my preseason prediction, one, I don't, I, I'm really bad at a prediction, Stan, but one thing I think I've gotten a pretty good feel was my preseason Super Bowl prediction was Bills over Eagles, so I'm going to stick with that one for now. Um, but it, it probably will come down to, to Niners-Eagles in a championship game. Maybe you know Bills-Chiefs will, will play again in the AFC side of things, but I think certainly what the 49ers have done, I mean, it felt like once Garoppolo went down, their season was done, and the resiliency they've shown, and it just really kind of, exemplifies that when you have a plan when you have an identity, when you know who you are and how you win, you can absorb and handle and bounce back from even losing, you know, multiple quarterbacks in a season like they have with Trey Lance and Jeremy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And so uh, it's a really testament to what makes Kyle Shanahan one of the best coaches in football. It is a really well-run offense and that defense is just fantastic. I mean, you got, you know, both off the edge and uh, their linebacker core is, is, is among the best in football, so it's really a complete team, and they know who they are, they know how they win, and if you have those components, you can succeed in the NFL. You know, it's interesting because um, the guy who's most credited with building that defense, Robert Sala, is now head coach of the Jets, and yet they just continue to be, um, We you know, we think about their offense primarily, but they continue to be just excellent on defense. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're linebacker play. Now, some people will talk about how that's an overvalued position. It's kind of the running back of the offense, but you have Fred Warner there. You have Greenlaw there. I mean, those are really good cover guys, and it is so hard to find those complete every-down off-ball linebackers. Certainly, Pittsburgh's been looking for a long time since Ryan Jazier, and to have those kind of guys that offer so much defensive versatility and coverage against the run uh, to really kind of build your defense around with that great front they have, um, yeah, I, I know the, the offense is going to be talked about so much in San Francisco with the job that Brock Purdy's doing, and he's doing a good job overall. Uh, you got George Kittle at tight end with Debo, Samuel offers in the run game, so much versatility. But defensively, I mean, that is why this team is, good, is as good as it is because that defense is among the best, if not the best in football. Yeah, they're, um, uh, they're a good team to watch. And, uh, again, they're, they're going with a Brock Purdy at quarterback, and yet you still see – some of those creative elements that I just don't see. Well, every team has some. Uh, the Steelers don't have as many, it seems to me. Maybe that's just a work in progress. Alex, as always, good to talk football with you. Appreciate your input. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you, Stan. Take care. Okay. That's Alex Kazora. Check him out at Alex underscore Kazora, K-O-Z-O-R-A. And he does work for Steelers.com. Really Great analysis in all his work. All set for this weekend's games. Saturday at 4.30 Eastern Time, it'll be Jacksonville at Kansas City. Then Saturday night, it'll be the Giants at Philadelphia. Divisional matchup there. Sunday's games, 3 o'clock, Cincinnati at Buffalo. And the 49ers will host the final playoff game of the weekend on Sunday evening. Don't forget, you can listen to me daily on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM. Or just download the iHeartMedia app. It's free. You can listen to me that way. The Savern on Steelers podcast, available to you at Steelers.com. Thanks for listening this time around. I'm Stan Savern. Thanks so much for being with us.